Hello and welcome to the first episode of the 90 Minutes Football Podcast. Uh, if you listen to this now, that means that it all went well um, and our first crack at it sounds pretty good. We've got a panel of uh, five people tonight, including myself, uh, Jacob. We've also got uh, Chris, Lucas, Mio and, Mun- and Munta. Uh, how are you all doing tonight? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? Doing all right. How are you? Yeah, we're doing good. Yeah, I'm just ready to talk about football. Okay, great. So with the return of the Bundesliga uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were all sort of settling back into watching football again. But the first thing that we wanted to talk about tonight, just briefly, is how the virus has affected various leagues and various clubs on a financial front. If we look at, for example, the EPL, they are considered to be more, uh, they're considered to be more at threat uh, clubs-wise because they rely on their uh, TV deals for their import. And that's the same for the Serie A. But some leagues like the Bundesliga... Uh, they are considered to be less safe, I should say, because they're operating from ticket sales. Are there any clubs in particular, Chris, that you're sort of worried about financially coming out of this? Um, I'd probably say like a lot of new clubs in the MLS could get struck really hard because like in the MLS, they, they pay players a lot, but they don't end up making a lot of money because... As like as we all know, football isn't the main sport in America, so it really hurts them with like ticket value and like ticket ticket values and like stadium capacity. So it's gonna hurt them a lot because they pay their um, designated players a lot of money, and they just don't make it all back in the end. Lucas, you follow the Bundesliga, and that's a league that operates from ticket sales, and without um, playing games behind closed doors means that the input is going to have to come from the TV deal. How do you fancy some top-tier Bundesliga clubs coming out of this? Well, I mean, let's see, me being an avid Dortmund fan, I can definitely see there's going to be a lot happening. Uh, the players that we got, you know, the uh, the deals that we got, you know, before this whole thing happened, uh, mainly Holland, mainly Allen, just in my mind, uh, I'm just really glad we got that before, like, all this financial catastrophe struck, but I can see all the big clubs like Dortmund, Bayern, Leverkusen. I can see them all not necessarily going bankrupt or anything, but uh, I feel like there's going to be a lot of financial stress. A lot of the clubs that the players have already like taken pay cuts so that like groundskeepers and the stewards and all that can still get full paychecks. So it's definitely been affecting them financially, but I wouldn't, I, they're definitely in a pit right now, but it's not one that's impossible to climb out of. Uh, Mayor, did you have anything to add in regards to the Bundesliga coming back? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure as well that the big clubs Liga have decided to donate a portion of their wages as well to a lot of the clubs uh, in Germany. So I'm pretty sure they'll be fine. But what I'm more worried about is League One because they don't even get to play out the, their season till the end. So they don't have any TV revenue money. And a lot of teams like Lyon, for example, will suffer from not qualifying to Europe. Uh, in particular, uh, I'm sort of reading a lot of stories coming out of uh, second-tier clubs and lower that are, there are no broadcasting deals uh, in those sorts of leagues. They rely on strictly their ticket sales uh, to fund their clubs. Uh, Munta, uh, how does how's the La Liga faring? Uh, for, for us, it's like a uh, situation for the big clubs was, was pretty decent, like Bayern, Bar- Bayern Football Club Barcelona. But when it comes to uh, like lower lower league club, lower table club, like mid table club, for example, it goes to Leganes and uh, Salta Vigo. Salta Vigo is like doing really good. I mean, in terms of ticket sales, they're struggling a lot. 
And even uh, teams like, uh, for example, Ibar, I mean, they pretty much depend upon the ticket sales rather than our viewership. So uh, ultimately, it's not going to help like a tiny club who's been like, you know, fortunate to play La Liga this season, Spanish first division. And they make most of that from their local fans rather than having a globalized, you know, or international fans, for example, states or in, you know, in any other country. So they are struggling a lot, even if they continue playing La Liga. So that's the worst situation uh, with the lower clubs, lower, lower league, lower table clubs. And uh, secondly, with respect to football club Barcelona, I mean, they are, the, they are the club with the highest wages in the world football right now. So they are pretty much playing 400, 500 million euros for their player wages, even if they, like, they, uh, like, they have to take a drastic step, which they have to cut down the players' wages by 70%, which is really, really high compared to if you see the other numbers of clubs in, in other European leagues, what they did. And they're struggling really hard, so they want they want at least you know to get some money. And with respect to Real Madrid, I mean, we yesterday we declared our financial status, uh, and we said we are the most balanced club in the world football right now. Uh, yeah, we are losing two hundred million euros from the viewership and ticket sales of the rest of the games remaining for the La Ligas and Champions League as well. But what we is like we ended up in the break-even point, which means that no profit, no loss condition with us, so pretty much unaffected. So like for us as a Real Madrid, like we are we're doing great as a financial institution, like as a footballing institution, we, our finances are like pretty much. Uh, so we don't have to worry about that. But other teams, for example, Sevilla and all those like clubs, I mean, they pretty much rely upon the ticket sales and revenue. For example, stadium tours. It's like a massive uh, like loss out of nowhere. And still, they have to you know make a top four. Even Atletico Madrid. Atletico Madrid is like, they're doing good financially. They're okay. And they have took the uh, like reduction in the, in the pay cut in the wages as well by 20%. 30%. So I think they, they can cope up really well. Aside from like low bottom teams, I don't think so. Like, you know, top five, top six teams, they have a problem except Barca. Yeah. Um, Mio, with the Bundesliga, and I want to talk about what's it been like watching the Bundesliga with, uh, with the cardboard fans? Is it, has it been different? Yeah, the atmosphere has been very different. Uh, in the first few games back at the Allianz Arena and some of the other stadiums, there were no cardboard fans and it was literally just an empty stadium with kits on the seats. It was really weird. You could just hear the players shouting to each other and uh, you could understand what they were trying to do. I mean, I think it made it easier for them, but definitely worse because there's no fan support at all. But today at Leverkusen's game, for example, there was fan noise. And it felt like there were fans, even though I didn't see any. So it almost felt like a real game. Like that was the closest thing to a real game since lockdown has ended. Uh, Lucas, have you uh, experienced the same or has it been different for Borussia Dortmund? Um, with, well, I mean, the first game back, I watched the Dortmund versus Bayern game. And with that, uh, I didn't really see any fans. Uh, what I ended up seeing, or... I didn't really see any anybody except like the TV casters uh, with their cameras in there. What I uh, ended up noticing was the artificial fan noise that they added, and which I mean it's a good touch. It like gives the viewer some sense of that. But I I can tell a lot of people don't like it too. 
Uh, it's it's very evenly split on something like that. So the other with the fan, artificial fanless, I personally prefer it. I like having that kind of atmosphere, just because you know it, it gives a sense of like, hey, maybe this isn't so bad. This will be over soon. That kind of thing. But there's, I'm sure there are reasons for other people not to like it. So. I wanted to turn the attention to the Serie A as well because we have no resident Serie A fans here except for me. Um, and I want to touch on one club in particular, uh, Spal, who walked into the Serie A this season with uh, a squad that would be mostly considered to be Serie B level, I would say. Uh, and they were forced to loan a lot of players injured to their financial issues. And to be honest, I feel... I'm very sorry for them. This must be a, a, a huge period for them, given that they were unable to sign any players permanently. They had to strictly buy loan players because they didn't have money to support it when they came up. And for a team that is strictly reliant now on broadcasting deal, now that's been taken away, Italian football more than likely won't come back for that club in particular. They're probably going to play a playoff game between Lazio and Juventus. That seems to be the consensus over there. Um... But for a small club that is is currently already in financial struggle, uh, it's definitely a tough period for them. Uh, but looking at, as I said, some of the stories coming out of, for example, the FL1 and the FL2 of clubs that are strictly reliant on their ticket sales, the uh, the carnage is going to be almost irreparable uh, for some clubs that just can't support themselves. Uh, but we'll move on from, from that topic into uh, something different. I wanted to talk through some transfers because we're obviously heading towards the end of the season and the transfer talk is beginning to uh, heat up. Now, there was one prediction made by a website, I believe it was Daily Mail, that said Kylian Mbappe will become the first 300 million player to move to either Real Madrid or Liverpool. We'll start with Muntar as a uh, Real Madrid supporter. Do you believe there's any truth to that? Uh, Not really. I mean... Really, there is uh, something with respect to Kylian Mbappe moving to 300 million euros. That doesn't make sense. Like, uh, there's two or three reasons for that. And number one reason is that, okay, after the end of the season, which is the current season I'm talking about, I know PS is not playing in the French League, though, but like, you know, overall, as, as um, to make it like, you know, season end of the season, uh, uh, Kylian Mbappe will left with two years of contract uh, with PSG. And you know the situation like Real Madrid is known as for you know negotiating with the with the club when the players are like at the, at the end of the contract. For example, next season will be the second last season, and 2022 summers a free agent. It doesn't make sense for us to spend 300 million euros just on the Kylian Mbappe project, uh, where we can have an option to sign him on free. And aside from that, like if you see Kylian Mbappe personal statement, what he's giving into the like in, in his interviews or or while well, keep is coming out with some of the statements as well, uh, he admires Zidane and Cristiano Ronaldo a lot, okay? and he admired how the like you know Real Madrid and he used to be like you know comes to our training sessions as well when he was like thirteen years old, twelve years old when he was pretty young, and aside from that. It doesn't make sense for them, you know, to sell Kylian Mbappe to us, you know, immediately now. Fine. Next season, because that's what we did with Eden Hazard, though, if you remember. Uh, Chelsea was like, I mean, Eden Hazard just left with one year of contract with Chelsea. And like, then, then we were, you know, pressurizing Chelsea to, you know, sell Eden Hazard for us, which we initially signed him for 100 million euros. We said 30 million euros will be around if we win 
Champions League or if even it's Ballon d'Or, you know, with the condition over there. So, like, pretty much we signed the player for 100 million euros. And if you see with respect to Kylian Mbappe case, is keep on rejecting this contract extension deal. It was thrice offered by PSG. Of, uh, like, first time he was offered like 40 million euros a year annual wages with PSG. Then it was 45 mils again. PSG offered him. He again rejected him. I think so. There was one in the in the last year summer. So and he rejected the offer as well. So which now we can see clearly like what this guy's you know mindset is ambitious. Okay, and he himself even doesn't doesn't see himself you know playing for PSG for next uh, four five six years. And the reason, uh, one more reason, I believe we won't rush for Kylian Mbappe is the stream one. And uh, like, still, he needs to, you know, gain those experience. Yeah, you know, like he needs to be a bit more mature with this playing style. I mean, he's so good, man. Like for me, I mean, this guy, if he if he keeps on playing like that and slightly improves his numbers, you know, uh, especially uh, in the Champions League, for example, he scored 15 goals, something like that, 19 goals, like that right now. You know, overall, he has scored 19 goals in Champions League with 15 assists and everything. So that's uh, stats is really, uh, uh, you know, uh, like impressive for me. And um, yeah, so I, I think so. I think so by the summer of 2022, on season after that, like in the summer of 2021, we can see signing him for 150, 140, you know, some kind of that big. I don't think so. Like 300 million euros is feasible right now in world football. And it's, 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 uh, it's not the right choice. So yeah, so we don't have to rush pretty much that. So like the, all those articles, you know, showing up. This, this, that's, that, that doesn't make sense to us, you know, so we'll wait. And if you see our transfer policies as well, I mean, when was the last time we signed the player with the, like, you know, with three digits plus somebody, so for example, and I mean three digits plus, like, for 105, 120, no one. The most expensive player is still Gareth Bale, if you see that, 101 million euros. Uh, Eden Hazard is 100 million euros. So we don't we don't do that kind of business to be honest. So you know, yeah, we are like pretty smart with that. Yeah. Chris, um, same question. Do you uh, have any idea uh, where if he'll leave PSG and if it will be for that sum? I do think he'll eventually leave Paris Saint Germain. I don't think it's the place for him forever. My two reasons is that number one, I just don't think he's ready for that type of level. You see it in the Champions League. He's not always the standout player. I just don't think that he's ready and mature enough to play at such a high level. You've seen him with Luka Jovic. I mean, it took Benzema a long time to adapt to that type of that type of environment. So I think maybe once once he's 24, 25, it will be the right time for the, that sum. I I don't think so. Maybe. 200 million at max because you see players like Coutinho, Neymar, those are like big players and yes, he's a big player, but 200 million right now is really re- unrealistic. Maybe in 3 or 4 years it could be more realistic with more transfers, but I just don't think that it will be for 200 million, 300 million, maybe 175 million at max. And my second reason is that Real Madrid just don't spend that much money. You see Barcelona spend that much money. Paris Saint-Germain spends a lot of money. Manchester United, Manchester City. I just don't think Real Madrid have that money to spend. Maybe by selling James Rodriguez, some other Deadwood players in the club, 
like Luka Jovic could leave this summer. So obviously, um, James Rodriguez will eventually leave, if not this summer. But I just don't think they have enough money to just spill 200 million pounds or 300 million pounds just right now. They're going to have to sell a lot of players in the meantime. Maybe in three or four years, it's possible. Uh, for me, uh, my, what, what just my brother Hammer said, like there's something, you know, there's a truth of matter, like, you know, yeah, I can understand. But when it comes to financial reserves, I mean, we are the best club in the world football with the financial, most financial reserves, as, like, you know, aside with PSG or like likes of cities, you know, all those clubs. So, like, for us, it doesn't make sense to invest right now because when we can sign him in so much range, we're pretty much free. I don't understand that. And... Uh, thirdly, I mean, we, we, are, we are like, you know, we are invested so much heavily in the stadium rebuilding process for 600 million euros, if you, if you, if, if you guys are aware of. It's not about the financially, like, we don't have the financial power. We have, like, what other big clubs, for example, PSG have. It doesn't make sense for Real Madrid to go for that right now because we have pretty much chance to sign that guy in the half the amount of what, what his value is right now. For example, 200, you can go get him for 140, 130. Because we have seen what happened with Football Club Barcelona, right? They are like, you know, uh, uh, like under 1 billion euros debt. 1 billion dollars, sorry, debt right now. So they're in the heavy debt, and that's called net debt. And because of signing players, and they've invested like 500, 600 million players in the last three three years, you know. So, I mean, we don't want to go on that part, but still. but it's, uh, and, and I can understand where Hammer's coming from. I think so, summer 2022. Will be the best time because he'll be like free agent because he's not pretty much running like any like contract extension with PSG. So in either PSG have to sell us, you know, next season. I mean, summer twenty one with, with with pretty much reduced price like one forty one fifty. We're getting the guy in free. So it's the ball is in our, in our court right now. What kind of uh, you know uh, option we should go with? Yeah, that's it. Super. So, do you have anything to add? Not really. Um, I mean, yes, Real Madrid does have the money, and yes, I do agree. But still, just for Kylian Mbappe, it's still going to be a lot of money, even if he becomes a free agent. Like, his wages are going to be massive. But I do think that Real Madrid will get him eventually, just not right now. I I don't have anything specifically to add. What I will say is, you know, with like uh, Munda has said uh, that uh, r- right now it doesn't really make sense to, you know, go for him. I mean, he's like this uh, law. I mean, he's he's already been, you know, in Real Madrid's, you know, list of transfer targets for a while now. I feel like he's one of those ideal Galactico signings, if that makes sense. But... Uh, it's like, um, you know, it still has like two to three years left on his contract. So it wouldn't really make sense to, you know, go for him right now. And uh, in a theoretical situation, you could say that when the contract does end and he doesn't decide to extend it, then, yeah, then you could say that he'll come as a free agent. But obviously, PSA is not going to do that. They invested a lot of money in him. So, best believe they probably want to, you know, try and sell him. I mean, obviously, that's because uh, we all assume that Mbappe would like to leave at the, you know, at the end of all of this. So, yeah, in a theoretical situation, you would think that, you know, Mbappe would like to leave and stuff. So, in that scenario, yes, I feel like 
probably in a year or two you know real madrid will make the necessary moves for uh, mbappe and when it comes to um, you know hammer suggesting you know specific selling of players i don't know if that's actually necessary i mean like i know he's not going to come for an easy price but uh, it it's not like it's not as deep as uh, you know actually like uh, selling uh, uh you know selling a few players and then okay then now we have to go to mbappe i don't think it's that deep i think we'll have to make money for sure but it's the the primary reason to make money won't be selling of players yeah i mean yeah that's my take on this whole situation yeah, but but uh, actually i just want to add like a quick point with you like uh, maybe if you if you if you seen like if you're reading some some of the you know inside source or like reading some of the articles regarding psg and what their what their board's mentality is they're so stubborn with with killing mbappe situation right now like i mean what leonardo the sporting director of psg he said like like we are ready to you know kill mbappe that's the case you know but what will happen the end result like you know the relationship between madrid and psg will be completely ruined it will end up like a barcelona you know if we if we pretty much sign him in a, like on a, on a free transfer which is summer 2022 so and i believe i believe that could happen because the problem is that paying 160 180 150 is like that's a hell lot of amount and the problem with that if you pay that that more release cross or it's like not release cross, of transfer fee for that what happens, right? Player mentally, he'll feel pressurized. That's what happened with uh, Dembele. We have seen that's what, that's what happened with uh, Felipe Coutinho because Felipe Coutinho is like the third most expensive player in the history of football. We saw. I mean, he was he was pretty decent in the, in Liverpool. What happened to his performances? Like, like in, immediately, okay, he showed up for two, three months, two months for Barcelona Football Club. But what he, how he ended up? So, from from me, it, it makes sense. Go for Kylian Mbappe, Mbappe in 2022 because that will be like a World Cup year as well for him, you know. Pretty much a, a nice way to tribute, you know, uh, France and you know PSG and everything. And still, he left two more years, I, I believe. He can he can cope up. And with, and when when it comes to with respect to wages, so I'm not gloating over here because people might think I'm I'm gloating over here. But look, but if you see the financial revenues we have, for example, Real Madrid, Barcelona, we make close to billion dollars revenue a year in a season okay i know in this pandemic situation everything but once the situation will become normal we usually we have a potential to you know break the one billion dollar revenue you know, uh, barrier you say that that's our financial revenue and if you see real Madrid wages it's pretty decent compared to how much they make in terms of revenue so, so yeah we can easily afford him that's not the problem with his wages that's it Okay, fantastic. Uh, we'll move on to the next one. Now, this was something that I've been putting a lot of research into because I genuinely think this will actually happen. So, if you catch your minds back to 2014 in the World Cup, this player won the World Cup for Germany in in extra time against Argentina. And six years later, he's now out of favour at Borussia Dortmund uh, and looking to sign elsewhere. It is believed that because the player will fit the system... Uh, he's been approached by Everton over a potential move to uh, Goodison Park at the end of the season. Now, I wanted to ask uh, Lucas in particular, uh, what are your thoughts on Goethe? Will he leave? Uh, and do you think he could ever return to the form he was sort of at when he played in that World Cup? All right. So um, first things first, I have seen news articles and everything, and Dortmund have confirmed that he will leave the club at the over this summer. 
which I mean, I'm a little sad to see him go, but realistically, he was uh, after his World Cup heights, he cut, just kind of dwindled down into the player. He's like a shadow of the player he formerly was. Uh, he's mainly now just a sub for Dortmund, so seeing him go isn't exactly the biggest loss that will ensue. I Regaining his form, I mean, I, I think... He still has it in him. I just, from the World Cup, there's just so much that happened between then and now that I'm not, it's definitely a steep hole he'd have to climb out of. But I think with the right coaching, uh, the right team, the right play style, I think he can do it. Mayor, did you have anything add um, from a Bundesliga standpoint? Uh, yeah, I think Butze is actually very underrated uh, because, for example, this season he's, He's played like a lot of games, but he's only gotten 590 minutes and he has four goal contributions. So that's like a goal contribution every 150 minutes, which is really good for a player who doesn't get any consistent game time. So to be honest, as soon as I uh, I read the article that he was going to leave on a free, I thought the perfect place for him would be Everton so that he can finally replace Sigurdsson there and they can get someone who's dynamic and stuff. Because Sigurdsson is getting quite old. So I think he'd be like a perfect replacement. You need to look at um, coming from a fan of Everton and sort of a close follower of Cardinal Ancelotti's uh, tactics at Everton. He plays a style where it's a 4-4-2 off the ball and it's a 4-3-3 on the ball. And the general idea is in the 4-4-2, you'll have Richarlison and either uh, Moise Kane or uh, Calvert-Lewin playing as a left striker. And that depends on who he's choosing to play. And what will happen is when it transitions into the 4-3-3, there will be a left midfielder that will push into the left wing position. Now, that is believed to be the role that Goethe will play. Um, and they, whether or not they, what they choose to do with Alex Iwobi, that's, that's, I'm not sure. Um, but it was the role that Walcott was playing for a while. And so you would assume that he would replace Walcott uh, either on the right or left. I'm not sure. Um, but, that's essentially the tactic with Richarlison pushing out to the right wing uh, with one lone striker and then a left wing. So he would pre- pre- presumably, because uh, Richarlison played, could play both wings, uh, you would presume that Goethe can sort of push into that uh, into that wing position from the left mid. And he just fits that role perfectly in, in from what I can tell and from what he played uh, for Dortmund. Uh, he can fit that role perfectly. But staying with Everton, um, there's talk that uh, Jean-Claire Todibo from Barcelona, the highly rated French defender. Um, we'll go to uh, Chris on this one first. Do you see him making this move? It's rumoured to be about 25 million. Uh, for me, Todibo is like uh, really a good defender, to be honest. Don't get me wrong. Uh, he, he, I mean, Barcelona fans, are usually they hype as well to him. Like his uh, upcoming talent in defence for them. And if you see, they should have, the reason they're selling because they want to fund a, for a move for like which they are like you know highly linked for example with Lautaro Martinez so they have, they need they need the funds you know to like, invest in Lautaro Martinez to sign him so I believe that's why they they, they will try to make uh, some money from selling their players um, which is Todibo is one of the reasons for that uh, I mean he's good to be honest in this season but um, you know if, if if he get the better position for example in better clubs. Likes of uh, like you know Spurs for example, Tottenham Hotspurs and everything like some, some, some that, that 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 kind of club that would be more suitable for him. Or even what he's doing right now is okay for me. 
Yeah, I think so. Barca Valona will sell him, yeah. Because they need funds, you know. Um, Mia, what have you seen from the defender? I think he's been very good for Schalke this season, although they've been one of the worst clubs in the league. And uh, I, I, I'm not sure if he is at the standard to be moving and sorting for Everton yet. I think he needs to make a step at a club like Schalke, that's like mid-table uh, in the Bundesliga or even La Liga, to be able to play at a higher level because he still needs to develop a lot. And I don't think he's played in any system which has allowed him to uh, improve defensively, especially since Schalke are so frail. Um, the only good game I remember him being in is the one where he played for Barcelona against Inter Milan. I think he was fantastic in that game. Um, and if he keeps putting in more performances like that, then yeah, he could get a move to Everton. Uh, Lucas, have you seen, what have you seen from him at Schalke? I mean, realistically, I haven't seen a ton. Uh, just from what I have seen, uh, let's see, Schalke are a mid-to-low-table side this season, and he's playing like a mid-to-low-table defender, just in my eyes. Uh, he seems a bit... I, I feel like he's lacking a little bit of aggression, just at the times that it's pivotal, like when the ball gets into the box or anything. It seems like he's afraid of conceding a penalty or something like that. Uh, I do like I do see potential in him, and I do see that he can a lot of things that he can work on and definitely improve. I can see him ending up being a standout player, but I just don't think the coaching or the play style at Schalke really fits him. So I'll move on to the next one I've got here, and this was this is probably the biggest talk. I think Mbappe is sort of being a little bit skeptical, but this is this is the most serious deal we've seen. Because there's a release clause attached, and that, of course, is Lautaro Martinez. Now, coming from an Inter Milan fan, there is obviously, you know, I don't want him to leave. Um, but we'll tend to ask uh, Krishna first. Um, do you see Barcelona making this signing? Um, no, actually, I I don't see them actually going for uh, that signing. To be honest, I feel like uh... okay, he's dropped out. Um, we'll turn to Monta. Yeah. Uh, hello? So. Yeah, basically what I was like, uh, you know, uh, going for is like, we can't entirely rule this signing out. Uh, However, I don't see it happening anytime in the near future, just because it's a bigger name and it has so many rumors revolving around it. But uh, what I will say is that, you know, that's what I thought, you know, for the same for as well as, you know, for Philippe Coutinho as well. And that somehow happened uh, because it was like in the running for at least like I think two years easily. So yeah, I don't know. I don't really, I don't really know if this will happen. I'm not really, I'm not really, uh, you know, I'm not even fifty percent sure that uh, Barcelona actually is pursuing, trying to pursue this signing. To be honest, yeah, I mean that that's about it. If you ask, if your question is just limited to, will you think this will happen? Yeah, then that's my answer then. I'll move up the order, Munta. Oh, yes. So, uh, Jacob, like, you are, like, more of a, like, you know, Inter Milan fan as well. So, you watch Inter Milan week in, week out more than me. So, I have a few questions, you know, or, like, you know, sets of questions before answering your question. What do you think natural position of Lautaro Martinez is? I mean, if you've watched at least one game mm-hmm. on this season, mm-hmm. you are obviously aware that he's played his absolute best football alongside Romelu Lukaku. I mean, mm-hmm. the effort he 
he made last season was absolutely incredible when Akadi walked and he still managed to sort of get the team in position to be a top four side because they were pretty much certain to be in the Europa League uh, last season. But he came in uh, and played exceptionally well on his own. But this season he's been an absolute monster playing alongside Lukaku, which is the worry for him. If he transitions to Barcelona, he's not going to have that uh, big forward to play with. He's going to be expected to play the similar role Mm -hmm. to Suarez. And I don't think he's capable of that. Yes. However, the worry is, is that the other club he's rumoured to go for is Liverpool. Uh, because if if they're looking for a potential long-term replacement for Roberto Firmino, he can play that role. So there's definitely some interest coming from Barcelona, some big clubs. Um, but to be honest, it's probably in his best interest not to do anything. Like my response to that is, first of all, yeah, I agree with you. He plays a shadow striker, second striker. That's the best position. Goal scoring, he doesn't have that much goal scoring pressure compared to Romelu Lukaku. If you see the difference over there, they have the player like that, to be honest, in the team. They have Antoine Griezmann. Like Coutinho will be back, who plays a central attacking midfield as well. You have Messi within that position. How many mm-hmm. players you need in that position in this number one? Yeah. Number two, I remember back in 2016, it was a similar hype with Coutinho when, when Barca was linked with Coutinho for a really long time, you know. People remember that. 2016 summers and every time, you know, Barca was trying to, you know, get him for the future signing for two years or later or something like that, which they did ultimately. And how he, how he ended up. Like, I have some stats in front of me for Lautaro Martinez, and this is his best season by now in Serie A at least. Um, he, he played 20 games. Okay, he scored 11 goals, one assist, okay, 3.9 shots per game, okay, which is like roughly four. Mm-hmm. A key pass is 0.9, and it's playing shadow striker position, second striker position, which is dribbling 1.3. A lot impressive. What Barcelona system and this Kike Satien is like, you know, and then uh, what do you call dispossessed? 0. Point, uh, dispossessed is like one per game, which is again not that much impressive. Again, off-ball, you know, unsuccessful touch, 2.93 on. I mean, we're talking about football club Barcelona, whose system is solely depend upon the, you know, possession-based, playing in the tight spaces, which which Lautaro Martinez is. Don't get me wrong. If Where you will play him, most probably you play him as a striker, because Messi is there, for example. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you'll sign him in the presence of Messi. So Messi will play more of a attacking midfielder, central attacking midfielder, number 10 role. Where Lautaro Martinez have to play then? Either he has to replace Luis Suarez, or he has to, you know, uh, convert himself more of an inside forward, which is a gamble, I believe, take now. So, like, forget about the financial uh, point of view of can Barcelona afford him or not. That's that's not my, you know, my argument or my my, my explanation. But when it comes to Lautaro Martinez, I don't think so. It's like twelve goals plus assist contribution in the season in Serie A. Which is not impressive as compared if you compare the hype is around him, you know. For example, likes of Gonzalo Higuain. This season he played 16 games. He has five goals, four assists, which is total combined like goals, nine goals plus assists, you know, which is pretty close to uh, Lautaro Martin if you see that overall. So I don't think so. That's like uh, Lautaro Martinez for Barcelona is the only reliable option. I mean, I mean, because but we know that Barcelona is habitual of making, you know, mistakes in the transfer market, you know, from last four or five years, you know, continuously are making mistakes, you know. So I don't think so it's the right signing for them right now. Because 
once Messi left, there is a big hole in that uh, in that team because by the time Messi was like 35, something 36, and and there's Griezmann will be 31, so that's the best position. I think so. Lautaro Martinez should stay in Inter Milan a lot more because he's the string one, 22 years old right now. I mean, there's a hell of a lot of you know room 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 for improvement is there for him, and believe in Conte's project. Give him some time as well. Give him at least two seasons, you know, because Conte project is really exciting for me. Because going to Barcelona now, and because if you see the pressure Barcelona have, like you have to challenge for, you know, for three trophies every season, you know, La Liga, Champions League, and uh, Copa del Rey, which is not the desirable situation for him at now. And he, like with Inter Milan, they have pressure of just winning league or you know competing challenge for the for the for the, for the Scudetto, which I believe should be the ideal scenario for him as well. And and and, and that's acceptable for for a player at that, that age, you know. And he's talented. Don't get me wrong. He needs to improve his numbers more and more. And he, I mean, if you want to move to Barcelona right now, then you have to either gel up as an inside forward or or a centre forward. I mean, when I, when I mean centre forward, means a number nine role. Which he can he do that? That's a gamble again. So it's better for him to stay and see. You know, if Messi retires, you know, next two seasons because it's, we can see the physically Messi is declining. You know, so yes, possible. And but if he goes now, he he has pretty much many templates of players, examples like you know Dembele and all these guys. They were young when he joined. Dembele was like twenty, and like when he joined Barcelona now. I mean, I can understand the situation is completely different because Dembele's personal attitude problems as well. But I think so he should grow more in the uh, in the Serie A. Then, then you know, it's better for him to join Barcelona like after two years. So he should put put more faith into Conte's system and Conte's project. On to uh, me, have you got anything to add um, about this rumor? Uh, yeah, I was just looking into Lautaro Martinez's underlying numbers, and I think his Serie A performance is definitely a lot worse than his Champions League performance, where he has five goals and six appearances. And what's more impressive is that out of the shots that he takes in the Champions League, he takes 3.2 in the penalty area, which is very good. I don't think there are many players in the world that you can say take 3.2 shots from inside the penalty area. That's very good decision-making for such a young player at 22 years old. I think he still has room to grow, especially since he is playing like a shadow striker. He should be creating a lot more. Um, so his passing stats should definitely improve. But his fouled numbers and uh, his his other numbers show that he could play well. But I think he needs one more year to fully develop and go to uh, Barcelona. Uh, Lucas, anything to add? Um, I can definitely see Barcelona. I can tell they're pursuing him. I can definitely see them going through with the transfer. But I have a feeling that he's just not going to be able to fill the hole that Suarez has left. And I mean, Suarez, you know, was just out on a knee injury. But obviously, he's getting up there in age two. Uh, I honestly wouldn't be surprised to see him leaving the club very soon. Uh, but I feel if they bring in Latar Martinez, uh, he is going to end up like Luka Jovic did at Real Madrid, where he was star at his former club, but then when he comes to one of the big name clubs, it just he either doesn't adapt to the style of play well or has a falling out with the players or something like that. And I, ju- I just feel he'd be better off staying put where he is uh, for a few more seasons. 
I feel like he needs that. Uh, he needs those few more seasons to develop like a little more maturity. And uh, so once he develops that, I feel like if he makes a move to one of those big name clubs, he would definitely. Um, we've got two more. Um, first of all, we'll turn back to Sir Krishna. Um, there's been multiple rumors suggesting that Paul Pogba is going to make a switch to Real Madrid or Juventus. However, they've been urged to stay away from him. Um, where do you see Paul Pogba going if he goes anywhere? Um, okay, uh, I have like a, you know a counter question to this. So, should I just express my opinion on whether he'll come to Real Madrid or I mean or Juve, or should I say why he shouldn't or why he should come? I mean, should I answer that question as well? Go for both. Um, do you think he'll come? Okay, and uh, if so why why not? Okay, okay, okay then. Um, regarding if it'll happen or not, I'm not sure. It may happen, it may not. Uh, but if you ask my opinion, I really don't think it should happen. I really don't think it should happen. Like, to be honest, with uh, you know the you know the you know we, I I feel like our midfield right now it doesn't need more and more readjustments and you know it doesn't need more stacking up if that makes sense it, we we can pile it up with probably more young prospects that we've already sent out on loan or probably someone from the academy yes real madrid has this whole as this whole galactico tag and stuff but the situation as it stands right now there's there's really no need for Real Madrid to get Paul Pogba. I don't see why we actually need him. It for me with Paul Pogba, it seems like a want than a need, and uh, and a, and a want is a terrible approach when it comes to you know big name signings like these because you're not you're always skeptical of whether they'll click they'll click or not. And as as far as you know positionally is concerned, I. Federico Valverde, like this season, he had like the most amazing breakout season. Like uh, he was so, was so amazing this season. So for me, when Paul Pogba comes, it's literally Paul Pogba like uh, hindering that uh, development process. And Federico Valverde, like again, people might argue that ah, oh, he's like so young. Uh, he probably, you know, when Paul Pogba comes, he can play for a few years. Where they can, you know, play, you know, second fiddle to him, wait for some time. Then, you know, I don't see the need because he doesn't deserve to get, uh, you know, benched or anything. He's perfect where he is right now. He's doing quite well. And all, you know, whatever Real Madrid's problems, uh, you know, have, you know, we've had, you know, over this season. The, the, there is like literally, I see no problem with what, you know, the midfield is doing currently. Yeah, I mean, we need to have a stack of offensively. That's a different argument. But as far as this whole Paul Bogba thing is concerned, I really don't think he should come. I really don't think he should come. Uh, because I feel like with Paul Pogba, how he's also, you know, you know, this might come off really as biased, but I, do, I didn't like his, um, you know, his time at uh, Manchester United, what... Uh, how he functioned with, uh, you know, the board and, uh, you know, with the former coaches and stuff. Uh, I feel I feel like, uh, you know, Feder Valverde has the better, you know, work ethic, although he's less skilled, if, if you can put it that way. I would prefer players like that who have a better work ethic than players like uh, Paul Pogba. But I, in again, no disrespect to Pogba, though. But yeah, this is just what I wanted to put out there. Right. Um, we will 
I think we'll move away from transfers for now because we want to try and get a rig along. Um, now, I've got some questions that have been submitted to me from um, various um, sources. And the first one came to me, um, this was this is from a while back actually, and we, we wanted to know uh, what opinions were on this. We'll start with uh, Hammer. Which team do you think was better, uh, Barcelona's 0809 team or Inter Milan's 09010? Okay, so should, should I answer the question? Uh, for me, I think so. Oh, it's difficult, man, because it's 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 about the that one season and the system how it works, and that 09010 Inter Milan team beating Barcelona. Don't get me wrong, but there. And if you see the 0809 team of Barcelona, they've pretty much struggled against Chelsea as well, and uh, some in semi-finals, especially second leg. But Chelsea outplayed them, um, but still they go they gone through, and that's we, we all know that what happened and was the reason for that. Uh, like as like to be honest, as a, as a more biased towards Spanish playing style of football, you know, more more of a tiki taka, you know, playing style of football. I'll, I'll go for Barcelona. The reason I'll say that because they have so many uh, what do you call. Score. I mean, I mean, when it comes to you know making decision the final third, they they, they had Samuel Eto'o, their Thierry Henry, which was not, like you can argue it is not the best version of Thierry Henry what they have, but still effective version of Thierry Henry because he he scored hat trick against Lyon in 08-09 season in the round of sixteen as well. So I think so. Like they are really good. Messi, he can cut inside. He can go for false nine as well if he, if, if they want. Davies and Iniesta. I mean, those guys were like. Oh my God, brutal man! And that season in in, in in Europe and in La Liga as well. And for me, then you have uh, uh, Yaya Toure as a as your DM, and then you have Danny Alves. Uh, when it comes to Inter Milan, I mean they are also so strong, man. I mean for that specific season, uh, season bro, when, when it's Diego Milito, Pandev, if you remember Stankovic, uh, then you have Lucio, then Samuel uh, Walter Samuel, and all those guys were like Mykon. The team, bro. I mean, Eto was there as well in, in 2010 Inter Milan team, which he performed really great against Chelsea that season, 09 or 10 season in the quarterfinals, and he scored the goal as well. So when I see overall as a team, like I have to be subjective because it's so difficult to be objective and answer, you know, because it's like uh, like like if you see man to man and the same team, uh, what Inter Milan have beaten Barcelona in the semi-finals. So that's nothing new. I mean, you can see that, like you know. But people can say, oh, yeah, Inter Milan is better. But like, I'm biased towards the playing style, so I'll say Barcelona, because they have more options to, to get out of the press and everything. And for Mourinho, if you see in that season, the way he, you know, I mean, defended Messi, because if you remember, uh, in the Italian press at that time, and like, they were saying how to stop Messi. If you want to stop Messi, you have to build a cage around him, you know, stop him. And that's what Mourinho did, and he was so successful. But still, I'll go with uh, Barcelona yeah. because they have, you know, peak Eto. And in that season of 09-010, Eto, I mean, he scored 36 goals in all competition, with 15 assists, something like that. So it's like 52-51 goals plus assist contribution. That was like best Eto, I think so. And that's what, you know, Pep Gaza did a mistake by selling him immediately next season and replacing him with Ibrahimovic. which was not a pound-to-pound replacement for Samuel Eto. And yeah, so I think that... That will be a key difference in you know, Samuel Eto'o, which we didn't have in 2010 season. That's what I think. So, 09, 08, 08, 09 season, Arsenal will turn. Yeah. Okay, uh, we'll, we'll move on to uh, Lucas. Uh, I wanted to talk about 
do you think, uh, coming from a Borussia Dortmund fan, do you think it's possible that Bayern Munich could win the Champions League this season? Simply put, uh, with their side and who they have, uh, it's definitely possible, but it's very highly unlikely. Uh, I mean, they've got, uh, currently they have, you know, uh, strong wingers in Coutinho, who, I mean, hasn't really been on par, but uh, still a decent player. They've got Coman, they've got Nabry, all that, and they got uh, Lewandowski up front. That's uh, a very good attack, uh, but... Um, after this, after they sold uh, Hummels, and with Neuer aging, I feel like it's their de- defense that's really a problem. I mean, sure, they signed like Lucas Hernandez, and uh, they have now Alaba playing at center back, and Davies, a uh, very, very pacey wing back now. But I just, I feel like the center of their defense is it leaves a lot of holes and a lot of questions, honestly. Uh, they have, while they have been decent defensively this season, I just don't think that that defense is going to be able to hold back the likes of, say, uh, Barcelona or Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, their midfield, uh, let's see. So their attack is, by, it's one of the best. I, I don't think there's any debating that, but uh, their midfield has decent players in, in like Kimmich, who scored that brilliant chip goal. Uh, but their defense, I just feel like it leaves too many holes and uh, it moves. They don't have the greatest communication. I, a lot of times their uh, defense, instead of having like a straight line like they normally would, it ends up kind of zigzagged, which leaves a lot of holes for strikers to get in. And I feel like just with Neuer getting up in age, he's not going to be able to stop as many of those shots as he used to in his prime. Um, Bo, do you have a count to that? I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I felt that uh, kind of offended that you said it's very unlikely because even, even if our defense is not as good as it used to be, looking at the other teams around us, with Liverpool knocked out, Atletico Madrid not having a good enough attack, like literally Lorente scored goals for them to go through. And the only remaining teams which have a chance, I would say, are Manchester City and maybe Barcelona because the rest of the teams just have not, and, and Real Madrid too, but they just have not been good enough this season. I think all of those teams, like Barcelona very heavily reliant on Messi, um, Real Madrid, they've been, I don't know, they've had a rough start to the season and they quickly improved. So I don't know, it's, I just have doubts in my mind, but I think they lack that clinical scorer other than Benzema. So, but honestly, I think our midfield is insane. The double pivot of Kimmich and Thiago, who's been out for a few games, uh, is really insane. Like the, the the Kimmich just covers up the entire ground somehow, moving up and forth, uh, up and down the pitch, uh, and he is insanely good at doing it. Um, and Lewandowski is obviously, like, in my opinion at least, the best striker in the world uh, at the moment. So I think with him up front and with Kimmich and Thiago in midfield, with Davies and Pavard as fullbacks, uh, we'll be fine. And I think Neuer is definitely underrated. I mean, you can say he's aged and he's definitely not as good as he used to be, but he's definitely not as bad as some people think. 
he is still a brilliant keeper and i think he's like top five in the world still so i think that means we could win the champions league if it comes back um i'll move back to uh to krishna and munta on this one to talk about the geographical rivals of atletico madrid um do you see atletico madrid uh, winning a champions league under Simeone? Oh, my God. I mean, you know what? The only team I don't want to, I don't want them to win, aside from Barcelona, is Atletico Madrid. People are not realizing how dangerous this guy will be now. Because once you beat defending champions, the most informed team, uh, the best team in, the, in, the, in, in Europe, if not the world, and it was Liverpool at that time. And, and I mean, come on. And the reasons that people will say, like, as of just... Um, Neo said that like okay, wow, it's 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 about goal scoring, right? Who do who do they have a goal scorer? Atletico Madrid doesn't need goal scorer. When I mean doesn't need goal scorer, I mean in in in, in cup competition, for example, two like affairs, they score one. It's it's I mean very few midfield I can see, you know, who can break or lock the Atletico Madrid defense. For example, Real Madrid did back in those days, but that was a prime Atletico as well. Then uh, yeah, and if you see. This this version of Bayern Munich is not the prime version of Bayern Munich. What they've beaten in six uh, in seven, uh, fifteen sixteen season, I know, I know there was like lots of fortune and there were luck as well, like you know. But that but when they can survive Pep Guardiola Bayern Munich, let's be honest with you. So Hansi Flick Bayern Munich is not that big of a challenge to them. And I don't I don't see right. For example, when it, when it comes to Atleti versus Bayern Munich fixture, I don't see you know. How many goals? Because we all know that. And where Lewandowski will get a space from? Because if you see the, the back, uh, like the best defenders, for example, Jimenez, more so uh, than they have, like, you know, uh, Washalo or something like that. I cannot pronounce his name. Then you have Trippier's doing good as well. Then then they have, uh, what is Felipe? I mean, that guy is so good this season. And Renan Lodi. These guys are giants in defense right now. Because what, what we see against uh, Juventus last season is that they were missing really key players. Diogo Costa is fully fit now. Ankel Korea, okay, he suffered from a slight muscle injury, but Champions League is like in, in the month of August, you know, they were racing the tournament. Uh, Joao Felix, he, he, might, he, he, he might also recover. They have Saul, like so, you know, Thomas Partey, you know. I mean, that's like a really stacked team in, from midfield to defense, you know. And the way they play 4-4-2, flat 4-4-2, you know, traditional playing style, I mean, that would be risky for Bayern Munich because Bayern Munich have to throw men forward at Leti. Because, look, the, the only case I can see where Hansi Flick playing smart was the dandard against Atletico Madrid, where he allowed the pressure of Atletico Madrid first, so which will make force them to come out of the shell, you know, and you know, take, take some initiatives playing from back, you know, which Atleti Madrid, Atletico Madrid cannot do that. So for Bayern Munich, I mean, really, I mean, Kimmich, okay, don't, don't get me wrong, I rate Kimmich really highly, yeah. Is he really the world-class midfielder? Yeah, because he's doing good, don't get me wrong. Is he really tested this season against, like, can we really say Chelsea is a world-class team or a tier one team or even a tier two team? I mean, yeah, okay, they're the fourth and the prim, okay. Still, that's not a test. Atletico Madrid will be difficult for Bayern Munich, and the way they play, the way they set up, it's like pretty, pretty much they're neutralizing Bayern on both the flanks. Uh, thirdly, what I've uh, observed from this quarantine day, especially with regarding to Bayern Munich, the way they play, they, they rely on space a lot, especially on the flanks. 
uh, especially on the Gnabry flank, and right, then you have Alfonso Davies and everything. Then Goretzka work rate is really high as well, but, but Kimmich as well and taking shots and everything. For me, he improved a lot. I, I never used to, you know, admire him as a player, but he improved a lot as well. So if you see overall package as a Bayern Munich team, then, I mean, they are spacey team. They have so pace, so much pace for Kingsley Coman as well. How can you utilize your pace in front of Bayern, uh, in front of Atletico Madrid? Because they are low block team. You understand that? It's not that easy to play against low block team, and you, like you cannot rely on your pace. Then you have to rely on your skill and how good. I mean, that fixture, for example, it's a semi-final, quarter-final, or like a final, for example. You know, the most important player for them, for Bayern Munich, will be Thiago Alcantara. How will they will set up Thiago Alcantara? Will he be back? We don't know. And I mean, that's the key because he might find spaces in between the lines, you know, and then try to break the Atletico uh, model, but it's still difficult, you know. And Lewandowski should be on his form because, his, I mean, how good he will be, you have to see against Atletico Madrid. When they can kick out Liverpool, I mean, when I compare both the teams, you know, man to man, Liverpool versus uh, Bayern Munich. So Bayern Munich is not a big of task for them, you know. But I hope Bayern wins, let's see. Uh, if if Atleti wins, oh my God! Now nah, please don't give me that. So, I hope you know Bayern can do something, and yeah. And and lastly, just want to address one more point over here. Atletico Madrid is the most efficient team in in Europe. If they get one or two counter attacks, definitely in two counter attacks they're scoring one goal at least. At least a G. And 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 people are forgetting about that. Atletico threat comes from not from counter attacks. It's from or build a play, not for from uh, from like long shots and things. It comes from a set pieces. I mean, and I've seen time and time and time again, Bayern makes so many you know individual mistakes when it comes to dealing with the set pieces. If they improve that, then yeah, they can. I mean, they can nullify Atleti, and yeah, so that's the thing. And lastly. Ansi Flick is playing too high line, you know. I've seen it. Okay, it's a Bundesliga. I know you can play. You can take that risk. It's not of that big deal, you know. But let's see because if if that's the case, I mean, Atleti would be like you know licking the lips as well. So I hope Bayern wins if that's the case. Then. Um, so we're gonna try and wrap this up now. So quickly, really quickly, um, I want you all to sort of shout out who you think will win the Champions League besides your own team. Um, I'll start off. I think it'll be PSG. Um, so Krishna, who do you think it'll be? Um, based on what's happened this you know this whole season, I see Bayern as clear favorites. Like, I mean, I support Real Madrid, but I don't really at the moment, at least. I mean, back from when when where we left in March, based on that form, then definitely no. But uh, I don't know how Real Madrid is going to come back from you know all this post quarantine. I mean, I do hope they come back better than what they were. But I feel like assessing on how Bayern have returned and also judging on the fact how they left off and also you know uh, not arguably but outright being uh, the best team of the Champions League until the group stage. You know, Bayern themselves. And uh, you know, completely like uh, you know, smashing Chelsea on that you know first leg again, first leg in London. Uh, the, I, I, in my, in my opinion, I see Bayern Munich as clear favorites to win the Champions League. I mean, uh, Muntaha kept uh, talking about uh, you know Atletico being uh, you know 
a, a low block team it's not really easy to score against them but the thing is like i was just like looking at the last 6 uh, to 7 um, you know normal league games in which they've played and um, you know I, i i mean i'm i'm not talking about the normal results i, I just looked at the uh, last 6 to 7 results where they drew i mean drew in the sense again it's not a nil nil it's not a goalless draw but i was just looking where it was either a 1 1 or 2 2 and easily i think uh, out of the seven games which i went back and i've seen uh, five or or six i i'm i'm thinking it's five but five out of seven of those games they end up actually conceding after they take the lead so i feel like it's not really impossible to counter what they bring to the table yeah it's not easy to score against them that's for sure even uh, i mean over the years i mean diego simeon has built a system like that uh, and uh, yeah as muntaha said yes they are very efficient on the counter so you can't discount them on that as well but i feel like they're not a very impossible team to beat and i feel like bayern has it all it takes i think they can easily nullify uh, atletico yeah can i respond to one of my brother tbf said you know uh, one thing i disagree with tbf tbf you see but, i mean atletico madrid's uh, run in uh, knockout stages of quarterfinals semifinals champions league they are insane so you say don't see atleti in league if you see atleti in the league they are bang average if you see that because that's a kind of deceiving you know once you see atleti they are completely different beasts when it comes to knockout stage of ucl because that's that kind of setup it usually help them in the quarter final and semi final or knockout games you know because they are defensive team okay you cannot play you know 40 50 games you know with a defensive strategy by parking the bus you know for example but yes but to win the few games in the big games of the tournament in the knockout competition sword at atletico gets the best out of their players and again like i'm not saying bayern is like you know cannot beat them no but this would be the most difficult test for the bayern this season at least because i don't think so bayern face that kind of team in bundesliga which i believe personally is not at the level of like you know other top top teams you know when it comes to atletico madrid for example There's so many you know other teams in, in in bundesliga but they are not at the level of atletico madrid when we see chelsea they have their own struggles as well this season and we know like chelsea is pretty much a young team and like you know bunch of kids you know playing there i mean and that's really good you know for develop football but still they are in the transitional phase you know chelsea we cannot pretty much depend upon chelsea score like, okay yeah, chelsea they won 3 nil okay fine i mean that's more of an exaggeration you know if, even if you see the first half against chelsea versus bayern munich i mean chelsea gives tough time i mean jerome missed some of few chances here and there you know So I think so. It was it was pretty even the first half against Chelsea as well. The second half, Bayern blew them completely. You know, still there is a room where you can doubt on the Bayern Munich capability, and we know that like because what I've seen right from Bayern Munich midfield and Kimmich, I believe it's not enough to break them because I, I've seen you know like so Chabi Alonso's, Thiago Alcantara's, you know, all those players trying to break Dortmund to the Bayern Munich. So. Atletico Madrid in 2016 semi-final. Ultimately, what happened? You know that. I mean, and that's not the first time Bayern Munich. I mean, Atletico Madrid beat big teams. They, I mean, they kicked out Barcelona, who were like defending champions in that season as well. So it's so it's it's better not to sleep on Atleti. It's better to uh, look them as a contender, uh, or if not the favorites, one of the favorites. You know, 
give them the respect. That's what Liverpool didn't do, and like they suffered. So I believe that uh, that's what Bayern should do. Bayern approach should be, you know, look them as a Champions League challenge as well. So that will help Bayern Munich as well. So yeah, so that's my overall thing. Yeah. Um, Leo, besides Bayern, who wins it? To be honest, Atletico have a really good shout, but I wanted to throw in uh, the dark courses of Atalanta in there because they have been insane. Their attack is like literally one of the best in Europe. I think they have the most goals uh, overall, and they're like, I think if if they can attack really well and improve their defense and midfield a bit, I think they have a chance of uh, at least making it to the final, if not winning it. Uh, it kind of makes me reminisce back to uh, Ajax um, last season. And I feel like if Atalanta can pull off the same stuff, they could have a chance of winning it. Yeah, I was actually going to mention Atalanta because I really enjoyed watching their five-back setup because it was very similar to Inter this season. Um, and they've actually got two very underrated wing-backs um, that have been doing a lot of uh, good things over there in Italy in um Castagna, they've got uh, Gossens, and they've got uh, Hatterberg. So there's three attacking uh, wingbacks there that uh, have really been huge to the success of their attack. And uh, Zapata has been a massive inclusion for them uh, from Sampdoria when they made his loan deal permanent. Uh, Papu Gomez has always been an incredible footballer. Ilicic has been great this season um, as that sort of false nine player to Zapata. And overall, their midfields looked really good as well with uh, Deron and um, Fruller in the middle. Uh, but they've... And it doesn't take away from their central halves as well. They've got a good keeper in um, Golini, who's a young keeper. Um, looks like he may be the backup to Donnarumma in the World Cup coming... Heading, uh, no, not World Cup, sorry. Uh, the Euros. Um, but just overall, they've got a really nice balanced team um, that should be able to defend incredibly well against some some uh, good attacks, but we'll move on to uh, Lucas, who wins the Champions League should it return. Okay, my personal bet, uh, I think it's going to be PSG, uh, just with the with their uh, absolutely wild attack. Uh, Neymar, Mbappe, Di Maria, uh, Icardi, Cavani, wh- wh- whoever they choose to use. Uh, I think that can break through many, if not all, of the defenses. But I do, uh, as probably most other people here, uh, I do really want to see Atalanta uh, make it far. Like Ajax last year, that was a big upset where they made it to the semifinals before finally getting knocked out by Tottenham. Uh, I want to see Atalanta make it to the final. Uh, Josep Ilicic is absolutely on fire. He's like, he's killing defenses. Uh, And it's just, it's amazing to watch him play how his career has essentially reignited at the ripe old age of 32. It's uh, very interesting to see. But if I had to place money on someone, I would definitely go PSG. Okay, so that rounds out those predictions. I would not uh, necessarily rule out, um, and I forgot who I was going to mention, I wouldn't rule out RB Leipzig, and I know you're not going to like that um, from two Bundesliga supporters because uh, Leipzig tend to be the, the hated team over in Germany, but they've, just, they've got so much depth in their squad um, that that could really carry them. 
So I'm, I'm interested to see what uh, Leipzig can do. Had a big win over Tottenham, although Tottenham weren't exactly impressive, but they've just looked really impressive to me. They weren't. Uh, I wouldn't write them off just yet. Uh, but apart from that, uh, I think that maybe wraps us up for tonight. Um, so again, thank you uh, to the five people. Unfortunately, Chris sort of dropped out uh, as uh, he's got stuff going on over there. So. Uh, but we thank everyone, all of you, for uh, joining us this evening. And I'm going to take this back. And if it sounds good, if you're listening to it now, um, it means it went well. Uh, so thank you. I'll end the recording. <laughs>